All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be in this beautiful world, and welcome to episode number 16 of the Still City Insider podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Jim Wexel of the Still City Insider, and we're excited to be with you. Yes, it was a stinker, the terrible, terrible loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, but we're going to walk you and talk you through it and help you get through uh, these post-Kansas City Chiefs lost blues. So, Jim, how you doing this fine morning, and how were your holidays? Holidays were really good, really good. It's nice because you go into them with low expectations, that's when you have great ones, so it was really nice. And, uh, you know, I told you about the Chiefs, man. Don't, I don't even watch this game, I said. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Uh, continued poor play, the offensive line, uh, ineptitude of the play calling. Uh, Adrian Clem did leave, so maybe we'll see a slight improvement with Chris Morgan, assuming um, offensive line coach duties here in these last two games. Just really a flat-out, uninspired game overall. And we're going to get into all that, but Jim, I have something new to try today. And being that the Steelers can't score at all, I was going to call this the opening touchdown or the opening score, but I, I went with something a bit modest. And we're going to call this the opening three points, the opening field goal. Uh, and it's three points that came after uh, this weekend's game. And wherever it takes us in conversation, we're just going to go with the flow here. So I've got three of them for you. The first one is a quote from Rocky Blyer. He says, and this is after the game, embarrassing. So why do we continue fooling ourselves just thinking this team is something special? Why did we think this team could get into the playoffs? Second one is from Ed Bouchette, who commented on the CBS stat on his Twitter CBS comes up with incredible stats. Steelers have been held without first-half TD for five consecutive games for the first time since 1940. And then the third one is a stat about Najee Harris, who was one of the guys that was a bright spot in the game, not because of his output, but just because of his overall just effort. But Najee has 268 carries for 984 yards, 67 receptions for 422 yards, which is a rookie record. and. Franco tallied 1,055 yards his rookie season. So Harris is close to, to touching that. So something positive there. So that's the that's opening three. Which way do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 let's go one by one. You know, Rocky, he wants to know why we have these expectations. Why do you? Why? Why are you putting this all on us? You know, you played for the 1969 Steelers who went one and 13. They're, this team's doing better than that. You know what it's like to have to totally rebuild. I don't know where you, you can walk me through this, but, um, you know, the owner wanted the, the quarterback back. Uh, and it's funny that Tomlin got an extra year added onto his contract after that. Um it's like, uh, let's just see how this goes before you totally, not totally rebuild. This team's never going to totally rebuild. This isn't Chuck Knoll coming in in 69, looking around and seeing Rocky Blyer, Andy Russell, and 51 guys he's going to cut. So um, nobody cared about that team. So, you know, I, I don't understand Rocky's enragement anyway. Um, you know, they, they, that's, Walk me through this. I don't know where to, I want to go with this. <laughs> we want to go on Rocky. Do we want to move to Bouchette? 
We can move the bush. Talk about how bad this team is and how surprisingly it is seven, seven, and one. Yeah. I mean, I think with the Blyer uh, comment there, I don't know that people were assuming that this team was going to make it into the playoffs or was something special. I think we, at least you and I have been acknowledging that this is a team with warts that's probably below average, but they're finding ways to win. So I guess there's a faction out there that thinks that this team is special. No, well, they must, they must be angry because they must think they're underachieving. You know, our mistake was thinking that you could rebuild an offensive line from scratch. Totally. Just because you have Chooks of Korofor? You kidding me? Uh, and then you bring in a new coach and this coach leaves for a college team and the Steelers say, go now. Yeah. And Chris Morgan's been up in the press box anyway with the offensive coordinator. I mean, Chris Morgan may have been running this all along. It's, there, there may be dysfunction there to begin with. Remember when, uh, who was the offensive line coach? Bicknell. They said uh, the assistant had to take over the meeting. Sarah had to, this was before Munchak got hired. They said he had to take over the meeting because the O-line coach knew nothing. So maybe it's a case of that. Maybe he has to go to college to do better. Maybe, you know, uh, and, and the Steelers are being accused of being cheap because Oregon is paying twice as much for a bad O-line coach. Uh, were the Steelers supposed to pay more for, for uh, uh, this guy? Uh, I mean, let him go. It's not working. This, this shows the dysfunction. I don't know that it shows embarrassment. I, you know, people are saying, wow, this is a bad look for the Steelers with the old line coach leaving for college. You really don't know the dynamics behind it. Maybe the, the team realized that his assistant, Chris Morgan, who coached the Atlanta Falcons line when they were in the Super Bowl, uh, knows a little more about O-line and they began deferring to him and maybe Clem felt lost. And, you know, th this is just a reaction to what, he already knew what the team's already known that we as fans and media don't really know that Clem was on the outside and, and looking for a college place to go crash. Uh, so, you know, I don't know why we thought an O-line coach could just be built like that or an O-line uh, offensive line. Yeah. It's not. We, we had such high expectations for Kendrick Green. That was a mistake for on our part. I mean, it, it's, Looks like it's our fault. <laughs> I know the team has not rebuilt the offensive line properly, but I was as excited about Kendrick Green. I didn't see him in college. You know, I, I had that book to, to finish, so I deferred to my draft guys. They all loved Kendrick Green, loved him. I watched Creed Humphrey one time, and I said, this is the guy. This is guy's polished. He looks like a Steelers center. And they passed on him in the second round because they knew they had Kendrick Green in their back pocket. Well, it's just not working out. Yeah. And I don't know that not drafting Friar move was, was the move to make. I, I don't know. I don't know. Creed Humphrey's a good ball player, good center. Yeah. So they missed there, but they got a left tackle. They've got a, a sixth man and Dotson's coming back. So there are some pieces, but it's taken time. Just like every other uh, process has taken the Steelers over the years. If you look back at history, maybe go back to 1940, and that could be our segue to Bouchette's comment. Yeah, which is uh, very, very interesting. Um, and that stat being the Steelers held without a first-half TD for five consecutive games for the first time since 1940. Wow. 
No, what else can you say? <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. Um, you know, you, you know my opinion about Roethlisberger being an adrenaline junkie. I thought of you this weekend when that happened. I'm like, all right, this is setting up perfectly for Jim's theory about the, you know, Ben being on the edge. And then I'm like, all right, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> waiting for but he's it. He's not on the edge. It's zero zero. He's not on the edge. You know, it, and and hey, I could be full of it with all this, but it's just part of it. I think that nobody's even mentioning. Everybody just wants to knee jerk right to the coaches. Look at this poor preparation. <laughs> you know, there might be something to it. They ran that stupid sweep that tossed to the right side on the first play. It's the same play they ran on fourth and one. And someone made a great point. What it was, it was third and four, and they threw for three yards. They threw behind the stick. So on fourth and one, they tossed it even further behind the stick. It's what they do. Oh, the third and one, fourth and one is too close. We better throw this back further. And they got Chooks pulling and Melvin Ingram, the, the Tomlin described run game bully, shut that play down. It was the biggest play of the game for the Steelers. It's an embarrassment. Uh, so there, there's their poor planning. But I mean, Roethlisberger came back and threw that beautiful 18 yard pass to DJ on the right sideline. Mm-hmm. Seemed to get him going. It wasn't a beautiful pass, it was a beautiful catch. And uh, they just, uh, they can't run the ball at all. And, and, and Roethlisberger doesn't trust that O-line. You know, he you could see he even had time and he was skipping balls because he felt like he was going to get hit. Yeah. Just ugly. Yeah, the uh, the flea flicker was a bit questionable too. And it looked like as soon as Ben took that, uh, the, the toss back from Harris, that there was a guy on him. But that was like, I think I read somewhere, I didn't look at this on the film, but uh, all the routes were 15 yards or shorter. I don't know if you confirmed that or if you saw it when you watched that play, but that you was- know, we have a great coach uh, breaks down tape all 22. And I always defer to him with something like that. And that'll come out tomorrow uh, at our site. Um, what, what bugs me most about that isn't, isn't the routes. It, it's the actually doing a flea flicker with that offensive line. And you know, Ben, <laughs> you know, Ben was nervous and wanted to get rid of that ball as quick as possible because, you know, uh, uh, handing off and then the running back pitching back is time-consuming for that offensive line. Yeah. And you just can't trust it to do things like that. Yeah, I, I saw that happen. I was like, oh, man, this is not good. And thankfully, <laughs> he didn't take a shot there. It did end up <laughs> but uh, he lives a fight another day. I did think it was uh, telling um, – Speaking of Ben, to see his entire family there up in one of the the boxes, um, I think that's probably greater credence to the fact that next week will be his final game at Heinz Field. And and they were also talking to the commentators, Romo and Nance, about um, that Ben had invited some former Steelers legends to come to the game Monday night. I don't know if you heard that, but, um, you know, this potentially could could be it. Probably not potentially. I think after... Sunday, um, if he was thinking anything about coming back for one more season, I think that may have been the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah, he's not coming back. Uh, I think that was clear early in the year. And then when the national report came out, he did not deny it. And no, just what you said. Yeah. Um, 
Mason went in, showed that he could run. I think that's all anybody wants to see, a quarterback that can move a little bit. Yeah, it's sad, but uh, it's, you know, a game like that can be cathartic because you, you finally, you finally blow all that out and you say, you know, it is time to totally redo this and show patience, you know, next season when they, when Mason is quarterbacking and another piece in the offensive line is added and the defense starts playing a little better with two at back uh, and a Lou, Lou, there won't, there's the team will be better, but there won't be those expectations. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you don't have to fire everybody after a bad game. And so I, I, that's cathartic in a way. Yeah. That game, this past game, and, and I did not get on social media at all. I, I knew what was coming and uh, it happened. And uh, I did take a peek the other day, uh, yesterday at social media. And uh, I saw uh, Tomlin was trending and I was not going to open that. <laughs> it's pretty bad. People just hate him. They just hate him. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, just because you have been for the last 10 years does not mean you have a good team. Yeah. A, a Super Bowl team. So I like your point there about that loss being cathartic in a way. Um, because all along they're fighting, they're fighting, they're trying to stay in the mix for the postseason, and maybe they had their hopes up for a, a, a north title, wild card berth. Um, but it's almost like I mean, we've used this term on here before surrender, surrendering to the inevitable of what's coming and, and what is. And the what is, is this is a it's a rebuild or not even a rebuild, a retooling, I guess, is a more appropriate term. A restocking. And, you know, uh, it, it will be good to lose a little bit and get some high draft picks. But, um, you know, that defense, Tony Romo at one point said they're getting six, seven yards anytime they want it. Yes. That's how it's been all year. That run defense is historically bad. And I know everybody's been looking at the offensive line. They can't run the ball or stop the run. That's just disastrous, no matter who you have at quarterback. Uh, So, um, and, you know, the Chiefs only got 3.6 per carry. And the Steelers lowered their NFL worst per per carry average under five. They're they're at 4.8 which is they haven't been that low since 1954. I know it's not Ed Bouchette's 1940, but it's 1954. They were in the 1934 realm before at 5-0. Wow. It's just a historically bad run defense. And the fact that they actually held Kansas City a bit, I think, speaks to Robert Spillane and maybe even Isaiah Loudermilk. I, I keep I'm continually impressed by Loudermilk at the point of attack. I was just going to comment on Loudermilk. I thought that he played. I thought he played well. I thought there was a noticeable difference with him in there than some of the other guys. I, I know Mondo still got some snaps on the defensive line, but Loudermilk may end up being a player. I, I know. You know, he shows some Aaron Smith stuff against the run. He holds that point. He he stands people up. And now let's not, don't, don't quote me on the Aaron Smith thing. It's a long way to be Aaron Smith, but. You see some of that. You can see why they traded up for him. A big body that he's an NFL body, real. Uh, you know, and that's what you liked about Taco Charlton the first day he came into camp. That's why Ingram left because Charlton, and you can see Charlton's doing Charlton's doing just as much as Ingram's doing for the Chiefs. Yeah. Yep. 
And that's what some of these guys, I mentioned this on last week's podcast too, the, the experience that these younger defensive linemen are getting, um, you know, coupled with an off-season program, more coaching, not that they're going to drastically improve, but they should have better depth should they stay healthy next year on that defensive line. So something promising, a silver lining in the historically bad rushing defense. Hideous. And, but, it, but it also, the bigger part problem is Devin Bush. You yeah. traded up for you traded up a lot to go get him, and it just it doesn't look like an NFL inside linebacker. Yeah, and, and you know they take him out on on the dime, so he's really not a coverage guy either. Yeah, you can't miss on a tenth uh, overall pick like that. That's I know. You know, look at that Baltimore linebacker Queen. Yeah, he, he's a shorter guy, but you know he blows things up. He is very tough and aggressive. You need that inside. I don't know what he's like in pass coverage. I really haven't studied him. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of linebacker. He wasn't even a, a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But, man, when you move up to 10, that's that's Luke Keekley range. That's uh, that's Ray Lewis. That's Mike Singletary. Not that they were taken that high, but that's what you expect. Not the, a little guy that can buzz the flats and run sideline to sideline, but is too short to cover tight ends. You know, come on. It was almost so like that. That's a problem. That's a problem next year. What do you do with him? That was a reach pick. And I feel like that happens from time to time. Reach. No reach. They traded up. The reach is like grabbing someone who doesn't belong up there. I mean, they went up and got him. Yeah. It's just that reminds me of Terrell Edmonds too. I mean, it's a guy that probably would have been available um, later on. I guess they overestimated the talent that he would bring to the team. Uh, it's not that bad. Terrell Edmonds at least has the size to belong at the bottom of the first round mm-hmm. and he's showing that he can play in the NFL. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd rather have some, you would rather have Darius Leonard than you wouldn't have had to take Devin Bush the next year. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have that guy. <laughs> <laughs> the third point I had here, Jim was uh Najee Harris. So one bright spot. And again, not because he changed the complexion of the game or uh, had a, big statistical um, showing, but he showed, he continues to show a lot of heart, no quit, just hustle and effort, but he's close closing in on Franco's uh, rookie rushing record. Now he has several more carries than Harris did. So, I mean, let's put that out there, but he's also running behind a dreadful offensive line. Um, I mean, there's no comparison between the two, right? I mean, You know, Franco got his yardage in big games with everybody keying on him. And his he had a 14-game season. Right. I'm not sure how many games he played, but it was a 14-game season. So uh, Najee's uh, assault on any of his records is over, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. 14 games are done. There, I don't think there's any comparison. Uh, I'm not seeing it from Najee yet. I, 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 I'll be patient, give him another year, of course. Uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't really show all that much as a rookie either. And Najee looks a little tight when he gets out in the open field. He Sometimes he just falls down mm-hmm. and he really hasn't breaking him. You'd like to see him break one for 40, 50, you know, a, a first round pick like that. There's a lot to like, but uh, I'm not totally enamored. You want to talk about him? I did write about him. That was my feature for Steelers Digest. Mm-hmm. Bob Labriola and I were trying to find a bright spot. And I, Najee was on the TV with the reporters and I said, all right, let's, let's do him. He's at least I got some quotes, my tape recorders running. <laughs> so <laughs> he's okay. 
Yeah, and he, you know, he Not made, that I'm in love with yet. I, I love his attitude, but let me say this. If I were advising him, stop with the cutie pie stuff and, and you know, get him off of the weekly uh, uh, press conferences every Friday. You know, he sits there and he, he answers uh, all these feminine type questions with femininity. He's, he's a nice guy. You could tell he was raised by a mom. You know, he needs to stop all that. You know, mm-hmm. snap at one of us. <laughs> seriously seriously tell us it was a stupid question don't get all cute don't get cute that's that's minor but i think it speaks to something about his personality great character great guy i don't know if he's an alpha warrior yet mm-hmm. i don't know well, I, I had a <laughs> different perspective there. I, I thought he did show a lot of, a lot of heart there. The, um, the leap over the player and just put it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why are we leaping over a player moving laterally? He, he, even though the game's out of hand, he's still, he's still going 120. <laughs> yeah, but that was silly. He was moving laterally and he leaped some book. I mean, he's lucky that he didn't get tore up on that. That's true. I mean, his, his main parts get torn up. <laughs> uh, you know, it, that, that was just a little spectacle that I don't think we needed. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I think if he has an improved offensive line, I think he'll do much better next year. I'm looking forward to his second season. Um, definitely more confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, those, those are the uh, opening. That was the opening field goal, the three points, just something to, to try there. We got three points on the board and we'll kind of shift into some of the pieces that we we didn't hit on yet. So we did talk a little bit about the offensive line, um, just digging into that a little bit more. Uh, curiously enough, Kendrick Green and Trey Turner in the fourth quarter had injuries. There are my air quotes uh, showing up again this week. Um, was it truly injuries that kept them off the field? Was it the poor play that finally caught up with them? And that's Tomlin's way of saving face for these players. Um, do you think that maybe they get sat down against the Browns and Haasnauer gets to start at center uh, and maybe they put the general in for Turner? Well, the general has to play uh, as few snaps as possible to get that comp. comp- right. I don't know where he stands mathematically with that. Um, you know, Kendrick Green, Tomlin was pressed. Was he injured or did he stink? Tomlin said he was injured. So, I mean, there's – it's good of a coach to protect players like that. Uh, there's no sense mocking them for the world. And unless you're really ticked off at him. And so apparently he's not ticked off at Kendrick Green yet. Yeah. So I can't answer that. And, you know, Hassenauer might be a nice backup. I don't see him as a starter. I, I see Kendrick Green has still having potential for that. I know he needs to get stronger and work on his leverage. But that's always possible. It it's always happens in the NFL. They get a lot stronger in their second year. Yeah. Definitely has the athleticism. You know, if he could just develop those components of his game this offseason, hopefully there's a, a chance with him. And part of that is coaching. And we talked briefly about Chris Morgan assuming, um, you know, uh, offensive line coaching duties here. What do they do this offseason? Is there a chance? And taking a look at Matt Canada, um, you know, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been good. He hasn't been average this year. He's Probably. Sucked. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you you tell it like it is. 
but I don't think he's coming back. Is there any chance that they can make a run at Munchak and bringing him in as an offensive coordinator and have him coach the offensive line? Because I know that it's not looking too stable, the situation in Denver. I know he was moved out there because of family. Is there any chance of a, a reunion there? I think so. I think so. Both sides part, it parted amicably. There was a lot of respect from both sides. He's a uh, Pennsylvania guy. His daughter is in Colorado. So we don't know that angle, uh, how fulfilling it would be for him to retire there. He probably could. Um, and you bring up a good point, offensive coordinator. You know, it's funny, O-line coaches, I asked Bill Cower this one time about uh, why O-line coaches don't become offensive coordinators. And he said, uh, he prefaced his answer, and I can't even remember his answer, but he prefaced it with, I'm sure you've done your homework on that. But, you know, in this case, we're not going to make Russ our offensive coordinator, blah, blah, blah. He would be, they become assistant head coaches, and they just remain as offensive coordinator and run game coordinator, offensive line coach and run game coordinator. For whatever reason, the pass game eludes their mental grasp, I guess. I don't know. But I'd love to see Munchak here. No, no matter what title you want to give him, I'd love to see it. That would really spark enthusiasm in the fan base. I'll tell you that because I don't know how much I don't know how much the owner had to do with guys like Matt Canada, Ben Roethlisberger, things like that. So only the owner can do a deep dive on his own conscience and decide whether he's interfered too much already. Or whether he hasn't, I, I, I'm unsure. Things I hear, though. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that Canada gets let go before these final two games? Oh no, that uh, that O line coach thing was an aberration. Like I said, there must have been some drag going on through the year uh, that maybe Chris Morgan was getting more of the say and more of the power, mm-hmm. and it was yeah, go ahead, go go look for something else. But they're not going to do that with. An offensive coordinator. No, no, yeah. that's not what they do. Now, on the opposite side of the ball, um, Keith Butler, do you think that his position's in jeopardy? And I know that uh, the speculation, and maybe you have confirmation of this, that Tomlin is the one who's always calling the defense. But do you see Butler returning or do you see potential- it's not speculation? I'm sorry, I, I keep cutting you off. I get excited. Um, it's not speculation. I mean, this is a, a, a coach who was a defensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings before he came here. Of course, it's his defense. He deferred Dick LeBeau because it was an act of respect. It was a young guy deferring, showing maturity. And the team loved Dick LeBeau. The team was already set. The defense was already set. So uh, the defensive coach stood back. But after a while, when when it became apparent that the the, the fire zones weren't working like they did in the old days that they couldn't beat new England with this setup that Tomlin wanted to install his defense and do it his way, more hybrids. And you're seeing it, whether it's good or bad, but you know, Keith Butler, you could see Keith Butler calls the defenses on the side, whether, you know, Tomlin's overriding everything. Only they know, but it, of course, Tomlin's been calling all that. I don't know why this has become news. I don't understand this. Now, Keith Butler is a good outside linebackers coach on a team that thrives with its outside linebackers. I don't know if they just want to throw him away because uh, the owner feels a need to show the fan base that he's doing something. 
So I don't know that Butler is in any uh, danger. You know, uh, it, Tomlin's the only one putting himself in danger there. Uh, apparently it's not enough. And uh, obviously we can see the, uh, the defensive line problems with the injuries. Yeah. Could it be so, something Rooney inserts himself and says, hey, Mike, look, you're the head coach. you got to manage the global operation here. You're done with your defensive play calling duties. you got to bring somebody in. you got to give up. You got to give up the control. You got your play duties. He's the head coach. It's not duties. This is his defense. I, I get it, but and if you want to fire him as the coach, you got to do that. Now you've got uh, you're opening up a whole other can of worms. <laughs> well, you like him in the facility. You, you like a lot of things about him. You know, you don't like his defensive play calling. I don't know if it's play calling as much as it's talent right now. Mm-hmm. And somebody's got to speak to somebody's got to answer to drafting Devin Bush. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And, and Stefan too, it's got to answer too. Yeah. I mean, there's a good questions for the uh, post end of the season um, press conference for Tom. Yeah. Nobody's going to talk about to it. Yeah. You know, uh, mental health is something totally different. And uh, they, they keep saying it's something we should talk about, but when that guy doesn't want to talk about it, you can't make them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are seven. Sorry, seven. I didn't mean to be such a drag, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all good. That's it. It's all good. This is uh this is good, healthy discussion. But um we obviously know that there's gotta be changes uh coming up after the season. Two more games ago. Hopefully Ben can go out a winner and brings us to the the question we always hit on at the end of each show. Where from here? What's the best case scenario for this team? Uh can they win two? To, to send Ben out a winner, it's a near impossibility for them to make the playoffs. They're going to have to depend on help from others. Um, don't think that's going to happen. But where do they go from here, Jim? Oh, they just play it one game at a time and then move on. And, you know, take it'll be start one day at a time, improve your team just as they always do patiently. And, um, you know, that one day, the first day, uh, you will decide on your coaches. I think that's first priority. Yeah. And I don't think there's any question about Ben. And uh, uh, right now, Mason Rudolph is your quarterback. And where do you go from there? And frankly, the drafting of offensive linemen that everybody believes is, is imminent. I don't believe this team should consider themselves there. That's the difference between a rebuild and a retool mm-hmm. is where you consider yourself. Do you say, you know what? This wide receiver right here is a Hall of Fame wide receiver looking at us in the draft. But we have Deontay Johnson, but we have Chase Claypool. Do you do, you do that and, and, and draft a, a, cent, a center because you think you need that position? Or do you draft the Hall of Famer? You draft Hall of Famers because you've got already got Minka, uh, TJ, and Cam. You know, Cam's still very viable. Uh, Najee. Um, you've got some pillars. You need more pillars. You need more Hall of Famers, and that's what you got to do. Yes. Stop thinking about the positions you need and start thinking about the Hall of Famers that you need for five years down the road. Yeah. And there will be some guys available through free agency who could come in and start on that offensive line, so maybe they'll take that angle. But we'll definitely be getting into that and more uh, once we get to the offseason in terms of the draft and free agency. That's I love the season, but I also love the off season. So uh, a lot of exciting stuff that will be coming your way on the podcast here. 
So make sure that you check in once this season is over because we won't be done. We'll, we'll be going on here. Uh, but, Jim, it is time for another edition of the Terrible Three to close out the show. Are you ready? Yeah, I don't think you put them on the agenda. I don't really don't know what's coming this time. Jesus, here we go. <laughs> the first one is uh, Juju. He was on a promo on the Steelers website and they asked him what he wanted for Christmas. And he said he wanted a four-year deal with the Steelers. Will the Steelers give it to him and will he return next season? Well, it's always about how much. I don't know. I mean, what they need more is deep speed. I do like his toughness, and it's kind of lacking right now yeah. on third and six. And he's good for that. It depends on what the, the cost is. I like him as a person and a player. Uh, others don't. I think the Steelers like him. I think Tama likes him. A yes or no? Oh, man, four years. I'm just going to guess no, but uh, I'm not. I'm not in the camp that thinks that he's got to go because he dances on TikTok. Yeah, I'd like to see them resign him, especially if they can get him on the cheap after his injury. But um, I'd like to see him work more on his speed than on his muscle. Mm -hmm. I think he's packed on too much muscle because of what they've asked him to do on third and six. But I like those two ninety-seven yard touchdown passes he's caught yeah. in his career. Where'd that speed go? That's what I want back. You know, stop packing on the muscle. Yeah, he's a feedback guy for or wide receiver. Mm -hmm. So, but hopefully they they get that get a deal done with him. I'd like him to be back. Uh, he's only twenty six years old too. So there's. I still don't know that it's a big priority though. Mm -hmm. It gives you some stability there at the wide receiver room because Ray Ray. And getting Ray Ray had a bad game, but Ray Ray had been playing well. I, I I don't understand the angst about throwing to Ray Ray. It seemed like every other question in the press conference was about Ray Ray getting a lot of passes. Mm -hmm. I thought he's played four or five good games in a row, and I I don't think he was undeserving. But uh, there are some things to like about him. He, he didn't have a good game this time, but yeah. All right, the the next one: uh, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, or both. This offseason. And what if there's neither? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I've explained the Butler thing. I have no problem keeping him. It's, uh, you know, Tom has got to look at Tom has got to do some soul searching, look inside. What does he really want in his defense? I mean, it, it's not going to kill you to have a couple fat guys. Really, it's not. <laughs> don't need a hybrid at, at nose tackle. Um, I'll say Canada, you know, they don't like to, they like to let guys finish their two years at a, at a, at a job. And if this was the owner's choice, I don't know that the owner is going to want to back out of it right away, but, and you know, the guy is going to make his case. I need a better O line. I need a more mobile quarterback to, for my style. Somebody told me this. He reminds him of Joe Walton. We're going to run my offense, whether I got the pieces or not. And so, yeah, nobody wants to see Joe Walton again uh, at, at running the uh, offense. But um, so I'll just say Canada will be replaced and not Butler. All right. And then the final one is we sit here today. Do the Steelers target two offensive linemen with their first two picks? in this upcoming draft, or do they go after a quarterback and an offensive lineman? 
Well, okay, you did have this on the agenda. So that that was where I, I, I went earlier when I said just draft Hall of Famers. Really, draft the best athlete, uh, unless it's a running back. <laughs> really, I, I'd hate to pass on Gail Sayers because you have Najee Harris, but I, I think you're okay there in the first round. Any other position, wide open, except safety again, you know, really. Do, you don't need to restock that. Safety and running back, I think, are, are off limits. But, man, everything else, any other position. I don't know the two offensive linemen is the answer. Uh, hey, get a David DeCastro. You know, a David DeCastro, guys like that come in the locker room, and they have presence right away. And then for the next four or five years, you've got a policeman in there. You've got a guy that you – know, Dave DeCastro was a guy we went to when, when things were getting sloppy – and you want to ask him, what's practice like? Are you satisfied? Is everybody working here? And he would he would give honest commentary. If he didn't like how hard people were working, he'd comment. That's the kind of policeman you want out of your offensive line. So that's the kind of guy I'll take in a minute. So they, they really do need one of those guys and a guy on the defensive line to do that. And I don't know how long Cam can last. This season's got to be taking a toll on Cam. Yeah. I think he'll be 33 <clears throat> at the start of next season. So and eventually he, his game is going to start to tell off. It happens to everybody. Let's hope that it doesn't. But we we're going to be covering that and more uh, as we go into the offseason. But before we get there, we have two games left to play Monday night against the Browns at home and what probably is Roethlisberger's final game at Hinesville. Let's hope he throws for 500 yards and five touchdowns. That would be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we'll have to see. And then he's going to finish it up in, in Baltimore. Uh, but as always, we appreciate you joining us here today for the podcast. Please continue to share with your family and friends uh, and help us spread the message of the Still City Insider podcast. You can check out Jim's work on the Still City Insider and give him a follow at Jim Wexel. You can check out my work at thestillstudy.com and give me a follow on Twitter at Still Study. And we hope you have an amazing New Year's. And what do you think, Wednesday next week, Jim? Because it's a Monday nighter. Oh, man. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, I'm not going to miss these 5 a.m. podcasts, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess Wednesday, yes. All right. Okay. We I will... hope I wasn't too sour today. Ah, it's all good. It's all good. We will see you in the new year, the first episode of 2022, next Wednesday, January 5th. And in the meantime, in between time, have a great New Year's. And we'll see you back here on the Still City Insider Podcast. Take care, everyone. Happy New Year.